Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number nine. Episode number one of the craziest episodes we've ever had. Not not really. I mean, look, I, no. Actually, you know what? I think it's a good episode. I think it's a crazy episode. I think you're going to enjoy the episode. It felt like the Roadshow proper, but I'm going to tell you, one thing that has never happened to us before, we got kicked out. We had to make a slight edit. We never edit the show. We never edit the show. We had to make a slight edit of the show. So in just a moment, I'm going to play the intro. And, and listen, it doesn't happen until the very end, so it won't it won't interrupt your enjoyable experience. But you will sense a little edit. I don't know what cold coffee is going to do with it. We'll find out. But you'll know because it's <laughs> we got kicked out. Uh, but you know what? You know what's great about memorable episodes of the MMA Roadshow? Because they're even better when they're brought to you by DraftKings. McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Haven't tried it yet. Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pilot points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings is even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's the McGregor versus Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use the code FROSTY. FROSTY! For your shot in millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's right. It's promo code FROSTY. FROSTY! To get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Now, let's do the real intro. Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 328. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me. What? What? Well, we got another one here. And I bet you think you know who it is. Aha. And I'm going to surprise you. You don't know who it is. You don't know. It's MMA Junkies fight analyst Dan Tom. Dan Tom, what's happening? Hey, I think I'm replacing another possibly two first-name individual. If you that, might right? have. You might have. And I didn't mean to, like, maybe that was the wrong way to sell you. <laughs> no, you know, no, I don't no, want no, anybody to think they're getting second fiddle, but I just want people to understand. Oscar Willis, anytime, uh, you know, anytime we can get hot tea, you know we do. But uh, Conor McGregor fight weeks are a little bit different for Oscar Willis, and if you thought it was a little bit different when we were inside the bubble in Abu Dhabi, well, it was. But uh, in Las Vegas, when it's wide open, when people can go everywhere, the man has demands on him. So I don't want to disrespect my man Dan Tom. I wanted Dan Tom to be here, but for anybody that was tuning in saying, boy, I hope they got some hot tea this week, I just want to explain why we're not letting you down on purpose. In fact, we're upgrading. Upgrading. Dan Tom. Upgrading. You hey. Know, Oscar Wilson will give you no real uh, opinion about the way he feels about things. Dan Tom, 
is, is he might apologize about it, but he's going to give you a real opinion. <laughs> I appreciate that and that little caveat, which is very true, uh, by, by the way, too. And, and no offense taken because I, too, am a fan of uh, the other man with two first names, Oscar Willis, <laughs> and especially on this program, which kind of makes sense why you introduced the audience because, man, he, he really uh, comes to life, uh, you know, for better or worse oh, on this program. So My man, Oscar Willis, will imbibe some frosty beverages from time yes, to time. Yes, he and will. I should say, by the way, if you're hearing that beautiful little background environment you, you, you're wondering what's going on yes to me you know we're talking about mma is back we're talking about crowds are back we're talking about all those things are back you know what i'm i'm, I'm declaring it right now uh -oh. the mma road show is back that's right we're on the road right now which is silly because we're not on the road are we well okay. we're, on, we're sort of on the road and matt has made just a poor declaration right there we are not even on the road we are in our hometown of las vegas however Las Vegas is back. We're sitting here in Beer House. We have not been in Beer House forever. Not since it's March over of 2020. Year. I'm going to tell you something silly today. I parked my car in the New York, New York garage, as I like to do. By the way, if you can get on level two, get on level two because that's where the little. Even though you're not supposed to. Well, it's for hotel only, okay. it says hotel only. I thought that was you more didn't of a read the sign. Was that really? Oh, please, God, let my car still be here uh -oh. when I get back. Uh -oh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe don't go on level two. I'll let you know after that. Tune in to if, if and your I'll tell you if my car there. was still there or not. Maybe my car's not still there, and I'll find out that was a terrible place to stay. But you go on level two, and then you walk down. This is how long it's been since we've been here. So I, 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 I jump out of out of the uh, uh, parking garage, and I jump on that little escalator. That's why I say you go to level yeah. two, because there's an escalator it goes right down oh, Nokia yeah. Plaza. See, I parked in level three and just took an elevator down to two and then took okay. this escalator. I'm trying to eliminate extra steps. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and as I was coming down the escalator, I literally took a photo because I realized it's been so long since we've been here. The trees were actually larger. The trees have grown since oh. we've been here. The, the view, I know that may sound weird, but it's, it's been weird so how that long. happens. Well, okay. I know it's not weird that trees grow, uh, and and I, and I really and by the way, if you see my Instagram uh, caption and you want to make fun of me because I did say it's amazing that trees grow, that's did not exactly that? what I, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly exact, what I, it's not the fact that the trees grow that's amazing. What's amazing is the fact that you could observe. Wow. The growth differential. I thought we were gonna have to bring like a, one of them scientists on here to explain how trees grow or something. <laughs> wow, it seems odd that over 15 months of ex <laughs> you know exposure to water and light yeah. and and soil. Anyway, all that. What I'm saying is we're back because we're here in Beer House. Vegas is alive right now. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's popping right now. We were just inside a very very packed T-Mobile Arena. I'm not even gonna. I don't even know if we should tease the fact that we're sitting at a table with MMA royalty. I'm not even sure I should even mention that. You know, well, it, MMA it, royalty it, might want to be royalty. a little undercover over there. That's I don't right. know. We'll see if we can drag him onto the podcast here in a little bit. We'll MMA see what we can do. royalty at the table, that's what we're going. All right, so it's back. I'm excited because I feel like this is what the MMA Roadshow was always about. We're sitting at a table with packed people, packed arenas, talking about big fights, and, man, it doesn't get any better than this. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor 3, UFC 264. Dan Tom, one of the big reasons I brought Dan Tom in is because, man, I hadn't talked to you in so long, I forgot how much I enjoyed talking to you. We got to do kind of a live video breakdown of the show. If you haven't checked that out on YouTube, go check it out. Uh, deep inside the, the bowels of the UFC Apex, I believe it was straight the up Boiler the Room bucket. Breakdown. That's what's up, yeah. The Boiler Room Breakdown. The straight, uh, copyright Dan Tom on that. He, he gets a royalty <laughs> on that. He came up with that name. 
Uh, it was fun. To, it was fun to chat. Fun to break it down. But let me just get your feel, Dan. Time. You're a Las Vegas resident. Uh, you're a fight fan. Uh, you have suffered through COVID like the rest of us. Talk to me about just human being, MMA fan, all that. What you're feeling about USC 264? It, it's funny, John. I'll be the first to admit it, and and you you guys can second because you guys know me well enough at this point. I can be too much of a purist. I can be too much about the. Nah, I'm trying to tune out the emotion. I'm trying to tune out the narrative and the stories. I'm trying to look at the X's and the O's, as you say. And I'm, I'm, I'm completely guilty of that. However, uh, to kind of you know, pick up where you left off as far as the way you opened the show, it is. Even for a contrarian Scrooge McDuck, if you want to say it like myself, I really am enjoying it. Uh, I'm loving the feeling. It feels great. I love seeing people enjoy themselves. And uh, like you said, man, it was crazy because it literally been years based off technicality. If we yeah. go back to 2019, since me and you have able been do, uh, able to do a live preview, hopefully we get back to that with the Contender Series. We'll see. Stay tuned, folks. But man, it was crazy. And I dare say, uh, I'm going to obviously put the compliment mainly on you here. But I dare say to give us a compliment. We didn't really miss a beat because it felt damn good to be back, man. It did feel mm. damn good to be back. Well, look, it's easy with an expert like yourself. I think we're just buttering each other up over here. We're just having a little bit. That's how excited we are. We're, we're, the frosty beverage is flowing, too. That doesn't hurt either. <laughs> but no, listen, it does feel big. Uh, I, you know, we've been moving to this point, and, and, and certainly I, don't, I, I, I sure as hell don't want to spend too much time talking about COVID-19 because I feel like I spent my whole you know, last year and a half or whatever talking about COVID-19. But – uh, you know, we went back to Jacksonville. We went back to Houston. We went back to Phoenix, and, and they were all fun. But there's something about being in Vegas, the fight capital of the world, and that being where we are, and it's packed again, and it being open again. I feel like this is the return. Now, I'll tell you what's funny is, you know, we're going to have to go back to the Apex next week, and there'll be nobody in there. And I'll tell you if I still feel the same or whatever, you know. But, but right now, we got a packed arena, and it is exciting. And it's Conor McGregor. And, I mean, look, by now, if you've seen anything that I've talked about, I've, I'll just throw it out there. I'm already saying, like, I'm, I'm picking Dustin Poirier in this fight. So it's not that I'm, I'm discounting Dustin Poirier's role in this whole thing. But there is something special about a Conor McGregor fight. I mean, you, you said it, Dan. You're a purist. You know, you're, 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 you're all about the X's and O's breakdown. But when you, when you can get Conor McGregor involved in a fight, man, look, it's feeling like a big fight week. I, I will say, I threw out the caveat, it's not the highest level Conor McGregor fight, and I think that's for one reason, and that is there are still travel restrictions to Europe. There are still issues with the Irish being able to get here easily and then not having to quarantine when they get home. So it's not quite the full rowdiness that we've had in some other Conor McGregor fights here in Las Vegas, but it still feels pretty damn special. It does, and you know, being on the ground level, whether media, uh, you know, on the beat, that's on the ground, you know, with that being your beat, John, or myself being a Las Vegas local, you really do feel the difference whether the Irish are here or they or they're not. Uh, so it's really apropos that you bring that up. Um, however, you know, uh, in you know, not tipping to the you know the press conference or the events or our projections on how it's going to feel on the night. You got to wonder how that it does translate to the live crowd reaction because, uh, as we said on their preview show, and in your defense, if there is one fighter like you said, John, who you can bring up that you know crowd intangible as a factor, kind of is Connor, right? It is Connor, right? Like, it's funny. I I asked Dustin Poirier about that in the press conference today, but I didn't ask Conor McGregor about it in the press conference, and I I I, I did kind of want to ask Conor McGregor about it, um, about like for him, you know, and basically what I asked was, you know, Dustin Poirier has said. Look, man, the the you know the aura around Conor McGregor is gone. Like now, he's just a fighter, and that and that sounds wrong to say just a fighter. He's a great fighter, right? 
But there's no longer that mystique of like, there's something special. This guy is on a different level. He's no, he's just a really good fighter with a, with great movement, a powerful left hand, excellent timing, all those things, right? But there used to be this intangible where you're like, dude, this dude is just operating on some different plane. I don't even know what's happening. Um, and I did want to ask, you know, Dustin about, hey, in this environment, does it make the challenge different? Now, did I really expect him to say like? Well, yes, John, this is actually much more challenging than environment. No, no, no. Of right, he's right, like, no. right, right. But I did want to kind of address it and see what he said. I started to ask Connor, like, hey, for you, does this change things? Like, you do operate under this environment differently. But uh, but I didn't do that. I left myself short uh, of that because it does seem like, I mean, what's he going to say? Like, I don't know. But, I mean, we're talking about intangibles. We're arguing about intangibles. Uh, but I do feel like a crowd does make things intangibles. Um, I do want to ask Cole Cobby because I'm just leaving him sitting over there. And, and, and the longer I leave him sitting over there, the more frosty beverages he's consuming. And I just want to I didn't sure mind that, that you were just leaving me over here. I point. didn't mind at all. Uh, Copy. I, I, I was I, talking to MMA royalty uh, as well. You know, know. Listen, I don't, know, I don't know if MMA royalty wants to have, you know, uh, the, you know. I just saw some guns, by the way. I just saw some guns flex up on uh, oh, Thomas a second bro, ago. You, you missed it. You scared me a little bit. You said guns. I was like, Well, what? no, I mean like physical guns that only MMA royalty can bring. Like but it, yeah, like Luke, Luke Thomas in oh, the house. Right. Oscar Willis did show up. And Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, listen. Uh, okay, so I want to ask you. Let's do a little post mortem on the press conference today, because I'm sure a lot of people are being kind of post mortem on the shit show you did. Okay. Well, I believe we're already moving in that direction. <laughs> uh, talk to me because uh, you know, obviously, a much anticipated press conference, a much anticipated uh, moment on the stage. A bet, I will say this. Um, uh, of course, you weren't in Fight Island. You weren't in Abu Dhabi. Uh, well, a couple things about Fight Island. A, there were 2,000 people, not probably eight or 8,000 or so that were there today. Uh, B, uh, I was tasked with asking Conor McGregor about a sexual assault allegation, which was a, a whole lot of fun in a yeah. press conference, but it was the only time that I was going to get a chance to ask him about it. Uh, but I, I, That would have went over real well today. Oh, that would have been yeah. – I got booed in front of 2,000 people in Abu Dhabi. Can you imagine how many boos I would have got today? But yeah. you got to do your job. Uh, it was fun. Uh, listen, everybody's excited about this. I guess uh, let's just start with take yes. number one. In case it wasn't aware already – uh, the gloves are off. Uh, yep. Gentlemanly Conor McGregor, uh, sportsmanship guy. Conor the Ray. humble Conor. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we didn't already know from the he had, if we didn't know from that, if we didn't know from what I'm going to assume is a Photoshop of uh, of Poirier's wife direct messaging yeah. Conor McGregor. Maybe Supposedly. it's not. Maybe it's not. Supposedly people say that if, if it was a true direct message, request that the message is included in that request as well oh. it won't just say somebody's trying to there you go. send you a message you would actually see the the message well, i'm not sure if that's Photoshop true or not then. why would you throw in a little, a little message on top of that that's kind of ridiculous i don't know i mean i don't know if that's true or not i mean i don't i don't really slide right. up into well, people's maybe. dms okay who knows about <laughs> all right but give me your initial takes you were there i know you were manning a camera i know you were listening to audio levels i know you were uh basically like 400 yards away from yeah. the action on the back riser, but but what did you take out of today? Which um, to me was, uh, like I said, the first impression I took was if you thought there was going to be any stretch of, of cordialness between the two, yeah, uh, it's it's done. And that yeah. came and that came. I should say by the way, from the moment he walked on the stage, where well, that's uh, it. He pulls the Poirier's hot sauce. Yeah, uh, he tosses it in the crowd. He starts doing the thing. Even that his whole posturing. The way that he didn't want to sit down, he wanted to kind of 
owned the stage. He wanted to kind of mark his territory. He wanted to remove the remnants of of, of, Ooh, of Donner's of like Donner's that. stage. You know, he, he he took the hot sauce. He did he did everything. He peed I mean, on like, every corner of that stage. Yeah, he, he certainly did. It just it was just weird. I mean, for it's one thing to uh, want to be in your opponent's head and to really feel confident, but it just it felt so overworked. It just felt like uh, it didn't it didn't come across like. I'm confident of myself. I'm just, I'm just up here being a badass. It just felt like he was, had a uh, nervous tension, or just some sort of, his head was going a million miles an hour, you okay. know. And it felt like he needed to walk it off to get into the, the to get into the zone. I'm glad you or said get that. his head right or all something. Right, two things. Let me say two things in one. First of all, thank you. There was a part of me that thought, okay, so he grabs the the, the Poirier's hot sauce. Uh, he starts to take the lid off of it. I actually just got my first bottle of Dustin Poirier's hot sauce the other day. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't ordered it, you should. Uh, it's good. Uh, but there is a safety seal on it. So I knew that he was going to have to peel off the safety seal. And immediately I thought, well, this isn't going to go well. Like, he's not going to be able to pull that safety seal off <laughs> and get on the top. So I thought about that. But then I thought, what's he going to do with the salt? Because like, where is he going to pour it out he, at, you know? If, if he's going to throw it. Uh, on on Dustin, like that's just not cool to be honest. With you. That's that's honestly not cool. Because um, if Dustin throws it back on him and he gets on his suit, what's Connor gonna do? He's just gonna flip out and look like, bro, uh, you started well, it. Even Dustin. I mean, I, I understand Dustin's uh, wardrobe budget may be a little bit smaller, but he doesn't need to have hot sauce poured on him. Yeah. Okay. So that, that I thought was being. There was a moment where I thought the cool thing to do would be to throw it on the ground and pee on it. Uh, but then I thought that probably oh. wouldn't be as cool uh, as that, that would. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if, I, if you I, really I, I, wanted I, I, to sell it, I, 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 look, I'm, I'm thinking in the moment, right? In yeah. the moment, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you know what, dude? Just throw it on the ground, pee on it. Because then I thought, well, at this point, that the could man, be going a little yeah, far. Yeah, at this point, the man could get arrested I because mean, he now has his penis out on yeah. stage. So, so I will say this: if Conor McGregor is not necessarily making the best decisions, uh, I just want to let him know it's not your fault, bro. I had some, I had some weird moments too where I thought that might be the play. <laughs> Honestly, I thought all he, if he wanted. To, to pantomime that that the sauce was bad, just act like you're tasting it. Make a poo-poo face, toss it to the side, point done. His mind was rambling so many ways. Like he was like, do I want to put it over here? Do I want to pour it here? Do I want to throw it here? Do I want to whatever? The whole time I'm wondering, what the fuck is he on? Is he okay? Is, is his mind, like what is going on? Because I, I couldn't. I felt like he didn't even know what he wanted to do with it. He wanted to find something that would be jarring, that would right. that would push the crowd, that was so heavily in Connor's favor, that would push them over the edge. I felt like everything from the whole presser was all about playing to this crowd to try to amp them up so that they in turn would amp him back up. I mean, we could go in and we could pick all these different things. I just felt like when I looked at the overall thing, Connor's old tunes didn't ring and didn't hit the Billboard charts like they used to. They weren't as strong. They wouldn't make the top ten of the Billboard. They were just there was a, there was maybe one or two in there that was solid. The rest felt uh, like they were a struggle and they just didn't. They were either cheap shots that just didn't sound funny and it just made me more question what his head was at yeah. as opposed to just typical fight week whatever. So I feel like he's a little I, bit off. I, I just little, felt like he was off. I looked at mm -hmm. I looked at Dustin. I thought Dustin maintained his composure. I think there were a couple points there I think where had the best digs. he could have had the best digs. He had some good ones, and he had every he had, he had every you know um, point in there where he could have actually got upset at what Connor said, but he he held his cool. 
you know, he realized that, you know, whatever. I just think, if anything, Connor is trying to get in Dustin's head, but it just seems to me, seems that Dustin is in his head to the point of where Connor's obsessing over it. Yep. And uh, it was probably good that he didn't bring his family on this trip because his, his the, looking at him up there right now, I wouldn't even want to be in his fucking camp because he looked like he's in a volatile state, which maybe that's good for a fight week. And that's why we let cold coffee you know? imbibe a few frosty beverages over there. Dan, Tom, well, <laughs> all right, all right get, weigh in your thoughts. But first of all, even though this as a fight analyst, this is not uh, exactly what we brought you here for. We're going to get to what you brought you here for in a second. Uh, but uh, give your thoughts, but I do want to ask you, what was the proper move? With the Poirier's hot sauce. What should Conor McGregor have done? This is the this is the the, the, the extreme hardcore. This analysis is why people need. tune in. What was the wrong? I have already come up with the wrong move, which was the pee on the bottle. Mine was, was boring. Mine was a boring. Yours was okay. What was the proper move? Because you know you're trying to face the bottle. What's the play? I'll give you the right move, and it's realistic First, because have you had it? Have you had it? Uh, no, I have not. But I've heard nothing okay. but good reviews. Okay. Okay. You, you heard what? Reviews? Nothing but good reviews. Okay. Nothing I but good reviews. Mediocre. I was like, whoa. Uh, he, he, before I give you the one thing that it should have been done, and it is the one thing that's realistic because probably only Connor could have done this, I will say that if he, if Connor would have micturated just right on the Poirier's hot sauce, it, I mean Poirier would have just had to go on full Lebowski and be like, you know, the Irishman, you know, pissed all over my hot sauce, man. You know, I mean, it would have been wide open. And uh, and you know, and secondly, you know, in Connor's defense, I will say that like. You know, in his legendary scuffles, thankfully, you know, and not picking on Jake Shields here, but didn't Jake Shields, like, have to choose between a laptop and a cup of coffee in the yes. rematch? Yeah. And in the first one, he missed the mark on, like, the flank on the scuffle. Like, yes. he walks past where it looks like he's going to flank Connor's gut, but he just keeps walking. Uh, you know, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, Connor, you know, it's his turn maybe to be at the worst of these scuffles. I will say, though, uh, now the answer to your question is that what he should have done is uh, the same thing that Max tried to do with him with the Jameson is he should have bought into, even if it was just a temporary one-time sponsorship deal for this fight, folks, uh, should have bought any other hot sauce in the book. It wouldn't matter to what he chose and then unveiled it there and one-upped him, you know, with a bigger corporation and a bigger name backing him. And he's making money to, to diss him. That, that was the right move that Connor so missed. So it, yeah, it had to be an advanced plan. He wasn't there with the advanced plan, but if he had done that, he'd been fine. Yep. All right, perfect. All right, Dan, so now let's bring in what we are – bringing you in for, and that is the hardcore fight analysis. Now, I will say, tune in, uh, it, it, you know, if you haven't watched the live show that we did the other day, feel free to go watch that as well, but uh, I think what you said is on point, like, and I don't think we're, we're uh, taking shots at Conor McGregor right here, I just think anybody that watched that press conference today will realize something was off, something was off, the guy that we're talking about is not, is not the same guy, and, and, but what we're talking about now is performance art. We're not talking about fighting, right? We're not talking about fighting. We're not talking Was about it all? But, I mean, but performance art makes it seem like performance art makes it seem like everything that is done is completely a decision made. Okay. And there were a lot of things up there that felt like they were on the spot. I'm not sure where I'm going. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's you know. what I wanted to get to. And that's a perfect segue there, Coach Coffee. And that's why you're a fantastic <laughs> podcast producer and co-host is because you led me right to where I was getting to was you've done all the analysis. You've watched all the tape. You've, you, you've broken everything down. You, you know, you're bringing in years of analysis and history of this. So when you see something like that, which seems so bizarre. Now, we love talking about the story. We're all fans. We like to have fun with it. So from the entertainment perspective, it doesn't change anything. But from a real, true fight analysis perspective, when you see like that, where essentially what we're talking about is a poor press conference performance, albeit from one of the greatest press conference performers of all time. Literally one of the best. Does that... <laughs> factor into your thoughts on the actual fight itself. Does it 
tip you to anything into, you know, mental approach or readiness or anything um, because I know what you're breaking down. You're bringing down stances. You're breaking down aggression. You're breaking down skills. When you see something like today, as a fight analyst, do you factor that in at all? Yeah, I do. And as you're talking, it makes me, you know what it makes me think of? And McGregor provided examples of this before. Uh, you know, you could you could throw out UFC, uh, you know, 229 was it uh, against uh, Khabib, right? Kind of comes out of character. Uh, Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm, the out of character, you know, uh, kind of aggression. Yeah, and I don't believe, I don't know if it was 2021, but if it was 2020, uh, guys, feel free to jump in here. It was probably late 2020, but there was another main event, most likely 99% champion, that acted out of character before suffering a pretty big upset, at least an odds-on upset. Um, so we do see these things. So when they do happen, that's where the storyline becomes very relevant. And John, I've said this to you before on why, what you what what uh, guys like yourself bring that that none of us analysts uh, can bring, and maybe even some of the you know uh, you know uh, fighters who actually been in that octagon is that you have this sample size drawn of you know over a decade of. of you know, yes, asking relatively the same questions. You're not going to ask them, you know, how they like their steak in there. You kind of got to ask them around the fight. But as mundane as the answers the fans may feel it is, there's this unspoken thing that a lot of times you guys pick up on. I remember you saying, for example, Eddie Alvarez on one of these big sighting in Las Vegas International Fight Week. You were amongst uh, the loudest voices saying, this guy is confident, people. And I already picked him based on my analysis, but I remember hearing that and feeling a lot better about it. And sure enough, Eddie Alvarez gets the lightweight title, right? Speaking of lightweight, so is, it means there's something. Some, there's something you feel. That, that's interesting. I'm glad you say that because sometimes I worry that I'm making too much of that. Like, I, I really, in my years of watching mixed martial arts, you know, but part of what I do is also write stories and tell stories sure. and, and, and talk about things. And so, like, sometimes I worry that I'm leaning too far over that side, but I do feel there are moments where you're like, oh my God, like that dude really has it, but that dude really doesn't. And uh, I, I thought today was an interesting one where I just felt like, we, we know Connor's turning bad guy again, and that's okay, right? Like, to be honest with you, I like nice guy Connor. I, I like the fact that we were, you know, selling this kind of- Everyone likes nice guy yeah, Connor. Yeah, this responsibility, you know, and, and good sportsmanship and all that. But I also understand uh, you know, kind of turning to the dark side a little yeah. bit. I loved, uh, I don't, I'm sure you guys got a chance to catch it, but if anybody didn't, that BT Sport promo that Becky Lynch voiced where it talked about uh, being on the edge of madness, you know, whereas, you know, it's it, insanity and driven is it like, love that me to some me Becky like Lynch. something, you know, like, okay, never mind. You didn't I, come, I thought Becky you were a big Lynch. Becky Lynch fan. I love me some Becky Lynch. Well, that, look, I didn't I, know I'm Dan go Tom watch it. I just assumed you would watch it. I, I thought, you know, I, I assumed you get Google alerts anytime Becky Lynch's name comes I up. should. Thank you for making me Oh, it's great. That. But it did talk about, like, the, you know, and I thought it was a great promo, and Beach Sport does great promos, but it was basically talking about the fact that, like, anytime that you achieve greatness, you're kind of almost bordering on the line of insanity because to be that driven and to put everything else aside, and that's what Conor McGregor did. So I kind of understood him going back to the dark side or whatever, but um, I don't know, man. It just fell a little short, and the, in the initial part of that press conference today made me think, okay, okay, hold on. Maybe he's going to get in Dustin's head. And I do think Dustin was frustrated, but by the end of it, he was, he was cool. At the beginning, there were points where I could see it. At the very beginning, yes. it was getting to Dustin a little bit. You could see it, his like he grabbed the mic a couple of times and they set it down. You could almost see his face flushed a little bit. Then after that, it seemed like he got his head right. He understood, okay, this is how this is going to go. Yep. And then I thought after that point, that's when he started delivering some of, I think, the best lines yep. of the whole press conference. The thing for me and, and, and the thing that I saw, I love 
I love the good Connor. I love the, the humble Connor that we saw in the last fight. I was like, man, if we saw more of this his whole career, I mean, just imagine how many more fans he would have. I mean, I, I have to believe that every fan out there doesn't want him to be the bad guy. Some people want him to be the good guy as well. But my, my fear is that just like if you're, you know, you're, you're driving a car one way and say you make a mistake, the fear is that you overcorrect. I feel like Connor thought he was driving his car and he went one direction, he, he played it too nice, and he's trying to overcorrect. And what happens usually Dan when you Tom overcorrect? Dan a big fan of the overcorrection. Dan you know, when you overcorrect, it causes an error. What's funny, and I thought about this, I meant to say this earlier, you know, because we love when Hot T's on, but Hot T will never bring the contrarian. He will never bring apropos. Dan Tom brings that. And Hold so on. when we had him on the other day, I was like, oh, I forgot when Dan loves to use these phrases. So when he said contrarian earlier, I was like, oh. Dan Tom, where are the best places to support Dan Tom right now? So anybody listening right now that loves <laughs> Dan Tom, where are the best places to support Dan Tom right uh, now? Uh, first of all, can those Google alerts as a longtime Roadshow listener, can, get, can those audio tone, can he be changed to the <laughs> But uh, secondly, uh, uh, you know, I'll just say uh, at Dan Tom and me on Twitter is where I, uh, anything I got going or, or coming down the, uh, the pike per se will be. Uh, I'll leave it at that. But, uh, but per man, se is another one. It, it's just nice to be on a podcast again with people that know me better than I know myself, folks. <laughs> well, brother, the, when you the said editing a video and writing for the folks listening, though, that, that, that these guys have had to put up with over the years, uh, they probably should know me. But, but, but bless them. Uh, these guys are, are you know, uh, are, are just awesome, man. When you, I, when you I, I told us yesterday that we hadn't seen you in person since 2019, I, I said he's, he's he's full of shit. It's been so it's long. Been that long. So, I mean, along, and, yeah. and what better for the, 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 as we look around here and see the reopening of Vegas, we're revisiting old friends, you know, we're, we're bringing you back into the fold, and what better fight to do it? I mean, this is a fight I think a lot of people look at a fight like this and they want to choose from their heart. And that's either going to be people that love Connor, they love his story, they love what he brought, they want to go for it, or they love the, the Dustin side. Dustin has a great story too. Both of these guys have great stories. And what's unique about this is that I think it's tough for people to look at recent performances because it's the two fighters that people are so endeared to that people are gonna they're gonna they're gonna die on their sword for their fighters for this fight. All right, so that's what that's look at the look at the segue, bro. You're so good at this, man. You're so good. All right, that's exactly why I wanted to get to because Tanta, one of the big reasons I, I wanted you to be here is that listen, I I think the Cole Costner and I do a great job of covering that. It's a great job of covering kind of what's happening on the ground and, and, and talking about it. It's so fun to be back out here in the, in the environment talking about it. Now, here's what I want to hear, though. When you started breaking this down again, I want to hear what the key things for you. Now, and, and this is why I say it was the perfect segue, because uh, half of the people listening to this are going to say, you're an idiot. And half of the people listening to this are going to say, my man Dan Tom nailed it. My man Dan Tom had it spot on. But just give me what stood out to you. As you started getting ready for fight number three, Knowing that we saw fight number one a long time ago, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant at this point, but a different weight class, certainly a different time in both these gentlemen's career. You saw fight two, a different fight environment, to say the least, uh, a different tension level between them, a different, um, you know, all, all, all these things. Um, what stood out to you in terms of what you broke down and the action that you saw that, that gave you a lean? one way or the other. What were the key points of analysis that really stood out to you? Well, you know, aside from the fact from the kind of a woo-woo fun statistic that we gave off on our preview show, John, which is outside of the heavyweight division, 
uh, in women's divisions, literally a 90 plus percent clip uh, of the trilogy sampled MMA uh, over over 20, probably over 25, closer to 30. Uh, were all won by the younger party, but again, Dustin only uh, about six or eight months younger, so. Which is still crazy to me. So I, I don't know how many times we say it. The fact that Dustin Poirier is younger than Conor McGregor, I don't care how many times we say it, it's still going to sound weird to me. Yeah, man, he's, he's one of those, uh, you know, shout out to the heavy hands guys, like a young veteran, like a Jorge Masvidal, where, I mean, it's so rare. It's like you said, it's so rare in, in, in NFL or in a sport like this to just be able to have a career for X amount of years, and here Dustin Poirier is. But what stands out to me in answer to your question was something I picked out in the beginning, but I didn't realize it was just like the kind of the skin layer of the onion, which was I picked the wrong man to win the second fight. I picked McGregor, but if you look in the kind of finalizing paragraph as I rounded the drain of my prediction, I said that Dustin Poirier can win this fight if he uses his check right hook to punctuate exchanges that go long. And something Dustin Poirier is good at is exchanges that go long and with his durability move up to lightweight since he fought McGregor that first time, well, he can kind of go longer. Both cardio, which he's addressed at American Top Team, and boxing as well as Boca boxing as well as the addition with the, you know, the chin being helped, not draining the brain. Uh, so it's essentially fighting with the lead hand and it actually made me look at the lead hand of um, McGregor, and it's it's just a theme there that, that, that you know, it's not just with Poirier. I went back and looked at Nate Diaz, the time he lost to Nate Diaz, and before that 1-2 at about 2.22 of the second round, he actually lines him up with a check hook, and it's funny, I just saw a replay of the Nick Diaz announcement, Robbie Lawler, you look at their first fight, uh, Nick Diaz actually does the same thing to fellow southpaw Robbie Lawler. So, uh, you know, that to me is a big key, and, and Connor doesn't roll under, uh, roll under his crosses, so to speak, to avoid that check hook when he commits to his patented left hand. And Connor also, even though he made a more concerted effort to give him credit in that Poirier rematch, he still doesn't really use his lead hand much. So yeah. the lead hand is what sticks out to me. Well, that's what I was going to ask you most. As you were saying that, that's exactly the thought that was going across my hand. So it, first of all, the first thing that made me think of, the funny thing about analysis, right, is like, and this is honestly kind of one reason I, I, I hate fight analysis, if I'm being honest, is because you know what we want. Fans want predictions. But what I really love is exactly what you said. What, I'm, what I'd really like to do is not necessarily give you a pick, but give you what the path to victory for each person is. You sure. know, so give you sure. the path to victory. So that's what I want to ask you about. So you, you touched on the fact that, you know, that check hook, that lead hook is, is going to be big for, for, for potentially both fighters, but Connor doesn't use that lead hand a lot. So um, if Connor McGregor is, is winning this fight, if he's going to win this fight, what am I watching? What am I seeing? What, 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 what is he doing as this fight goes on? Because those, those first few seconds are going to be so tense, right? What, what am I looking at those first few seconds to be like, oh, oh, my guy's got it. My guy Connor's got it. I came hard with my lead hand with a heavy technical there, so uh, I'm going to simplify it here because it, I believe, to answer your question, is actually simple. The old Occam's razor, right, John? Sometimes it's the simplest solution. And That's right. For Connor, even though perhaps people are going to look to his rematch and adjustments and the way, you know, prolonged war, I don't think pot shotting in a prolonged war like with the Nate Diaz fight is the way to go. I think Occam's razor, he's got to be old Connor. We've already seen him try to do it to the way we set up the press conference here, right? As far as that part of old Connor, um, didn't really hit too strong. I don't feel like that's a that's a crazy criticism. People can make their judgment there, but now we got to see if he can make himself old Connor in the fight. And that is a guy who is a fast starter, uh, and his path's going to be a first round finish if it is, if he does I, win. I agree. I agree. Aggressive early, right? Like honestly, if you're sitting, if, if he's setting up early, right? Like like I don't even want to see Connor saying, "Hey, man." Got, got to save a little something for round four. Got, got, got to save a little something for round five. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, we're just going to get this done. Like, with, with Cowboy, he clearly was not concerned in the least 
about what was coming back his way. So he just says, we're going to do this. So I agree with you 100%. If, if Connor comes out and says, oh, I'm going to set up at range. I'm going I'm to I'm wait a little bit. I'm going to see if he tries to shoot. I'm going to be ready. I think that's a bad sign. I, I, I think we need to see aggressive Connor for, for moment one, right, if we're going to see him win. All right, let's flip the script the other way. By the way, Dustin Poirier at one point, uh, he did say, and this is an exact quote, uh, he said, I'm going to shell and shoot. And you know what? I don't think he's lying there. I don't think he's bluffing. Like, you know what, man? I'm going to make sure you don't hit me with that big left hand. Uh, I'm not worried if you hit my body. I'm not worried about anything or not. I'm just you're not going to touch my chin with that big left hand. And as soon as you get close to me, I'm shooting in because I'm sorry. I mean, listen, there's a reason Connor sent out that, that, that social media message, right? First one to shoot in is a dusty, you know. And look, and this is the thing about Connor, man. Like, on the one hand, you're like, yeah, man, hey, we love those stand-up battles, da 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 But, man, at the highest level, you know they're going to shoot on you, and you know that you've shown some takedown deficiencies at this point. And I'm not trying to talk trash, but if, Con you know, if, if Conor McGregor thinks that he can bait Dustin Poirier into thinking, well, I can't shoot, or, or the public will think I'm not very good at what I do. I'm not very good. Come on, man. Dustin knows at this point I've got to be a mixed martial artist. So, yep. Dustin basically laid it out. He said, I'm going to shell and shoot. Uh, what do you think? Is that, I mean, it, to be honest with you, it sounded real damn honest to me. Uh, I think he will. Uh, my thing is that I'm not sure it'll play a, a bigger role as people think. I don't think he's going to lay and pray, even if he wanted to out of spite, right? Because I don't think it's in either of their style. Um, it's just disturbing because Connor, I would defend his underrated ground game. So for him to have this attitude, and attitude obviously translates into performance as it did his last one, that's not a good. But for Dustin, uh, I do agree. I think he will. Uh, but I don't know if it'll serve much more purpose, which is fine because it served a damn good purpose, which is get my man thinking, get my man working. And that's what you got to do to McGregor. I love it. All right, listen. We're hyped about this, man. This is going to be a fantastic fight. It's a big one, man. Um, I do feel like there's a lot on the line for Conor McGregor in terms of what comes next. I mean, he says today the Nate Diaz trilogy is always there. That's a huge fight. That's going to be there. Uh, maybe there's boxing opportunities. I'll be honest. Um, I, I, I see uh, Jake Paul coming out and saying he wants to box Conor McGregor. I am admitting at this point it's not out of the realm possibility. That one might hurt my heart just a little bit. It might hurt my heart just a little bit. As I'm sure probably the, the boxing purists probably felt bad about Mayweather fighting Logan Paul. We're like, wait a minute, not our guy. You know what I mean? Uh, that would hurt me a little bit, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, while we got here, Dan Tom, talking about what, what, what else thrills you on this. I mean, listen, we got Gilbert Burns versus Steven Thompson. That's a big, big welterweight fight, uh, clash of styles, no question about it, jiu-jitsu versus kickboxing. Um, don't think Gilbert Burns could earn a title shot. Don't think Wonderboy can earn a title shot, at least not next, but it, he would at least keep his name up there. Uh, you got Greg Hardy versus Ty Tuivasa, which just looks to me like somebody is going to sleep. I, I just don't see – I mean, Greg said maybe, you know, he said, I, I, I think this guy will just stand and trade. We'll see. Maybe one of them will surprise. I think somebody's probably going to see there. Arena Aldana versus Yana Kuniskaya is actually a very meaningful fight in the division. I don't know how much, uh, you know, people are necessarily super excited about it, but it will impact the rankings there. And then Chris Moutinho, the late replacement against Sean O'Malley. Uh, anything on the main card that stands out to you in terms of either just personal excitement, of incredible betting opportunities, or just 
you being a fan and, 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 and a fight you want to watch. I mean, anything that stands out to you on the main card. I will say Greg Hardy versus Tai Tuivasa is a fight that I've actually gotten more excited as we get closer. It's like the are we there yet? And as we get closer, it looks great. And, John, you know I'm a Kempo Karate guy, but uh, maybe it's because I found that I'm 3.5% Portuguese. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I also have appreciation for the Brazilian scrappers like Gilbert Burns, man, who can turn the fight on its head, whether it's on the feet or standing. So my co-main event, of course, all eyes are on that. But I do got to give the heavyweight some shouts. Everywhere's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Dan Tom, man, I appreciate you uh, jumping in here, making a trip down to Beer House where, uh, like I said, it's feeling like Vegas again, man. Thank you so much for uh, for doing that. I'll let you I'll just look out of here a little bit just enjoy Frosted Beverage. I put you to work. You know, See, you're not used to being put to work, man, but I but I had to put you to work. Cold Coffee's over there just, just drinking as many Frosted Beverages as he wants. That's what I do. I'm, and I'm doing a little side work. To this. I'm trying to trying to update a graphic off to the side, and I was – you know, doing that and admiring the MMA royalty. I'm just wondering if, 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 if tonight, if right now is the best time to bring MMA royalty on. I mean, I, I think it is probably. I mean, you know, no disrespect to Dan Tom, but he's broken. Oh, please down. allow yeah, me to surrender my mic. He's, I, he's analyzed his, his fights. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. It's just been great to be back, guys. Honestly, thanks for having me. More than a pleasure to give it up to royalty. More than a pleasure to be on the road show. My man, brother, always a pleasure. Thank Dan you, Tom, man, it feels so good. Like I said, it, it sounds silly, but literally as we were doing the uh, the breakdown the other night, he, 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 Dan Tom literally reached out and touched my shoulder. He's like, man, uh, I haven't even been around a person anymore. I'm like, oh, wait, no, he, he really hasn't been around a person anymore. Uh, that is bizarre, but it's so good for everybody to be back at this time. And now, I mean, not that Dan Tom isn't the star of the show with his with his analysis and all that, but we have royalty. <laughs> <laughs> MMA sorry. royalty is in the house. Right. If you haven't identified it by the laugh already, Julie Julie fucking Kedzie. Oh, oh yeah, even yes. better. I'm so that sorry. Is better. Why she is MMA royalty? This ain't Disney. This ain't Disney. This, this ain't Disney. Disney. Oh, you keep your little aerial fucking mermaids at home. Julie fucking Kedzie's in the house. I'm That's sorry, a double entendre there, but I'm not going to go into I it. I will uh, not. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you for having me tonight. Uh, listen, thanks for being here. Uh, it's great. Listen, I know that you have been fortunate, like myself, to, to stay busy in the mixed martial arts game when a lot of people haven't, right? I mean, COVID-19 has been tough, but you guys have continued to operate at Invicta. And, uh, uh, yeah, and Invicta, I mean, we've gone through some major changes, too. I've been really fortunate to be for the ride, but I have to say – or be along for the ride. But I have to say, like, you know, the adjustments that Shannon made, although we are not under the, you know – Oh, I was going to say Zufa banner, but it's the other uh, Endeavor, Endeavor banner. Endeavor. <laughs> you know, she you know she she checked out what other organizations are doing. She checked out what the NBA was doing. She did a lot of research, and she was able to put on our shows in a really healthy, actually incredible way. So we made maybe weren't as prolific, you know, during the pandemic. But I don't think you should be during fight, the pandemic. Fight, hey, fight church. Yeah, fight, yeah church. fight church was amazing. I mean, the adjustment they made for that incredible, incredible. So you know, I'm always going to be my biggest fan and Invicta's biggest fan, so you'll never get me unbiased here. Damn straight. Uh, look, Invicta doing big things, right? I mean, to a, for, if anybody doesn't know, right, like maybe they're just people that are just UFC Fight Pass subscribers, don't know, they're like, I've been flipping through, I haven't seen any Invicta lately, why is there no Invicta on oh, there? Oh, no, yeah, we, you know, we, we definitely, and again, I'm not, I'm not in the inside crowd on this, but there was a, a big sale, we left the Fight Pass banner, we went into um, Anthem, and we're on Access TV now for events, we're also streaming from basically social media from where we are. So, right. you know, anytime you can look up Invicta FC, you can find the social media events. And I don't know, like, so far it's been great. You know, we had some – we had a couple of, like, pr production hiccups on our first show, but the I was actually fortunate enough to call my first Phoenix tournament 
in this last show, and it went incredibly, and it was impressive, and it was like this insane storyline that I, everything wrapped up together. I, I just see a huge future for us. I'm the Invicta, the Invicta, those Phoenix tournaments are fantastic, and I'm yes. going to tell you a couple things about them that I love. And first of all, the fact that, A, they happen so fast, right? You're mm -hmm. talking one-round fights. Like, I mean, you got to get to that. It's one-night tournaments, mm -hmm. which obviously require modified rules yeah. with, with, with the unified rules. But they move fast, and, and, and they make things happen quickly, and I love it. But here's the other thing I love about that. I don't think people realize, and I think they should. Normally when you do a tournament, you have one winner, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Guess what else you have? You have seven losers. <laughs> There's no losers in a big That's right. I think that's fun. If people could come together and say, hey, we're going to do this little exhibition. Right. So we're going to have this little fun little tournament. But that doesn't mean seven of us are taking L's. You know what yeah, I mean? Because no. that's an exhibition. Yeah. We did one round. We're not doing that. Honestly, I, I don't think people realize that. That's a little touch of brilliance. There. It's incredible because it's a way to actually get uh, to scout future opponents. Maybe within a five-minute time frame, but you can see what they're doing later on if they happen to beat you or if you beat them. It, it's a really interesting methodology. I, I think it's brilliant. You know, I always – we have this running um, gag, TJ DeSantis and I, with how old I am. And, like, I'm pioneer lady, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but, you know, I was in that hook-and-shoot tournament in 2005 in the 135 division, and I won that. And I have to say, I was probably incredibly boring. Because, <laughs> I mean, five-minute rounds – I. I hate people taking credit for five-minute rounds being some revolutionary thing that came along. That was happening before right. Strike Force right. uh, and Elite XC. Elite XC changed it to sure. three-minute rounds for women, which was fucking stupid. Fuck you, Gary Shaw. But um, sorry, I'm, I'm dropping things. You, you guys caught me on when some MMA beers here. Has had a couple of beverages. It's even better. I'm sorry. Come at me, boys. But you know, like the three-minute round thing was stupid. It was something from some carryover from Mississippi or some carryover from Strike Force, and they kept it going, and then suddenly they had five-minute rounds for women. It's revolutionary for women. They've never done this. I was like, no, we fucking fought five-minute rounds. They, they changed the rules for us, maybe an attempt to favor strikers. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm just... I, I'm throwing out shit, right. so I, you Possible. know, I'm trying to give you hits on your site. Yep. You know, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm throwing I'm out shit you. for you. I'm giving you sound bites. But what, whatever it was, it, three minute rounds have always been stupid. This is actually something I, I argue with the Kansas Commission about a couple times because they have really interesting, innovative ideas that I actually enjoy. Like open scoring is cool, but they've proposed sometimes three minute rounds. I'm like, no, fuck you. Um, don't do that. That's not MMA. MMA has always been five minute rounds, except Pride. Pride was cool. I would do that. But yeah, I'm totally messing up my hair i'm i'm sorry Love i've it. had no adhd medicine for like three days and that's why <laughs> i'm like having right fun now. in vegas i, I don't actually i, I want to be straight you don't Julie. know this but i actually reached out to your friends i said please don't let her take her adhd <laughs> medicine for three days because i want to make sure amazing i have friends we want julie fucking kenzie what? not julie kenzie <laughs> what are you talking fucking about kenzie like I'm, I'm actually here in vegas with you know the the fight writing class that nancy kidder and tanisha singleton do and they brought me on board with it and it's you know it's gonna be something huge but it's a very different thing from most MMA coverage yeah, yeah. you know we're talking about like the weird social issues and how to write about them like and or writers who write about them well and so being here and then actually being an MMA crowd and like <laughs> it's ridiculous to me because I'm like oh fuck I want to think about the social implications of this and that and what's going to happen here on this level and what You're transcends level. this and how do we fit this fucking obscure writer into this like that's where my mind is now 
And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's fucking fighting. <laughs> you just hit each other anyway. <laughs> that, but you yeah. know what? You know what's funny is isn't that the greatest part about the sport? Because, you know, we just had Dan Tom, fight analysts on there. We're talking about literally every X, every O, like yeah. how things break down. You're like, hold on, let's talk about the offensive options. Let's talk about the defensive options. Let's talk about who has this. And at the end of the day, you put two people in a cage, and all of a sudden just yeah. weird stuff happens. It's, it's, isn't it? It's isn't incredible. that what makes it fun, It's amazing. And that's the thing. It's like this is where I got in a lot of – well, I didn't get in trouble. I'm not even – I wasn't going to bring up the Rogan podcast I did a million years bring ago. Bring it up. But one, nah, nah, it's not even that cool. <laughs> but one thing that I, because everybody just, somebody called me a Wookiee cunt on there, and that was Whoa. fucking hilarious. That's Whoa. a funny insult. That I've is a heard pretty fucking funny That's a name. good insult. But is anyway, it? I wrote a very good essay about it that I haven't published because I wanted <laughs> Joe's permission first time to talk to him. But anyway, um, regardless, on that show, one of the things that I said that was a big important point to me is you have to prepare for chaos in MMA. You can do right. this, that. You can game plan this, that. You can think about the X's, O's, temperature, running uphill and everything. But if you don't understand chaos and you don't understand everything can work a fucking against you anyway or your mind can just totally blank, then it's not MMA because that's, that's what it is. So and so we can be as thorough and as hardcore analyst and this and that and prepare as much as we can. But then, you know, somebody might just shit themselves in front of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I mean, you don't Who know. Do you do don't that? know. <laughs> Julie fucking Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> you're damn right. So, Julie, talk, talk to me about, like, where you're – so it's funny. Like, as you talk about, like, in a, the sport on a higher level, right, it is kind of funny, right, because the higher level that you get to look at the sport, the more 30,000 feet you get to, you start seeing, oh, we got a flaw over there. we got a crack over there. we got a little problem over there. we got we got issues sometimes. Yeah, issues. of course. But – we all still love it very much. So I'm just, I'm just curious for you because I see you. I mean, I see you on social media. Oh yeah, I, I retweeted something with you and Dana the other day. But, but I love because I'm a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, but no, but I see you on social media. Like what I see is that you are calling out what you see is, is issues that need to be corrected. At the same time, I also see you on broadcast. I also see you talking about like you're also still passionate about the world. So oh, yeah. talk, talk, talk to me about like how that stands, right? Because I, and this is one thing I'll be honest with you, I struggle with. No, oh, of course. Is that like. I believe this is the greatest sport on earth. Yes. And I believe that the, that the human beings, both men and women that are doing this, are the greatest athletes on yes. earth. And I believe that they deserve all our issues too. Yes. And, and, and you want to call it out, but you also know that, like, average Joe fan doesn't give two shits about the issue that you're bringing up right now. So, like, right. just, hey, get back to the fights. Yeah. Shut, shut up and dribble, Julie Kedzie. Well, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so of course. Like, that shut so up and dribble all about sports. It's sports. It's not politics. Yes. Shut up and play. Yeah, so exactly. Where do you, where do you, and, not even like the, and not even necessarily like the politics aspect, but, like, where do you find the balance of, hey, let's talk about the fights and the action versus, like, how could we make the sport better? And then, and then there's that third level of, like, yeah. now let's talk about politics and social change and all those things. So, like I said, you, you have to prepare for chaos. You also have to take every single fight as it's a work of art. If you look, and it, of course it's a, it's a, it's not just a work of art. It's a living work of art, right? It's, it's, it moves. Right. It's not just in one place. It's not fixed. It's always moving. It's fucked up, MMA. It's fucked up. People are in a cage punching each other for fun. They're also brilliant. They also do incredible things. We see human beings at their absolute best in that. We also see human beings at their worst. I can critique also because I'm out of this. I don't care what Dana White says about me. He doesn't pay my paychecks. I love Invicta. I'm devoted to Invicta. If they fired me tomorrow, I'd still be devoted to them. But please don't fire me, Invicta. You know, because <laughs> I, mean, I, I love be, them. Well, please don't. I'm but just saying. Yeah, I love that show. I believe in them because I believe in what they're doing in terms of a niche thing, letting women expand in that. 
there are flaws, and there need to be people fucking pointing out flaws so that we get better collectively. Yep. If people don't point that out, they're fucked. But it, I don't point that out because I hate it. I point it out because I love it because I know we can be better. Boy, that's a great point. You know, like, and, and, and we have to push to be better. That's why I'm so fucking crazy political, too, because I believe in America. I also know that America's fucked up. We have a fucked up history, and I will go off on that because I do on Twitter. There is some serious issues. What are you talking about? Greatest country in the world. I don't want to hear anything else from the Kizzy. You know what? <laughs> God damn it. Not just so close to the floor. I believe in human. I met a really nice British person today. He's Irish. Yeah. Well, he told me he was British, so now <laughs> I'm is. really confused. I, I, anyway. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. He is British. That's the thing is, the at the end of the day, it's like, I, and it's cliche for me to say, I believe in the human race, not one race. I believe in combat. I believe in violence. Combat lives matter. I t- <laughs> no, <laughs> now, I don't want to be shitty because I believe in the BLM mo- movement hardcore. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Hardcore. You're right. But I, I think, but I do understand. It's, it's an easy it, way to find, it's a, no, it's an easy okay, access yeah, point. Yeah, it makes okay. sense. But I, I just think that. You can't make fighting better by pretending everything's okay. You make it better by hitting at it. Just like fighters don't make each other better in the ring by not training harder when they're fighting a wrestler. You have to believe you can beat a wrestler when you're a boxer. You have to believe you're going to beat Poye when you're McGregor. (laughs) like Or vice versa. You have to fucking believe in yourself 100%, and I believe in the sport. I I do. So let me ask you this. Uh, We'll we'll move on to something a little less... Hugely oh, social. I'll make it hugely uh, social anyway. <laughs> well, I was going to ask about the future uh, of Invicta. Oh. Talk to me about the challenges uh, with Invicta, right? Because uh, Invicta came in at such a unique time, right? Invicta did an amazing job at elevating the women's game. I mean, not that it hadn't been elevated before, but again, right. you know, it's all women's promotion. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's done a fantastic job. Um, but I feel like it's getting more and more challenging every day, right? Sure, because sure. Because the UFC is developing incredibly deep women's divisions right now. Uh, you know, Bellator is obviously developing incredibly deep women's divisions right now. So talk to me about the future. I do, and I try to tell people this all the time. You know, that thing that Dana said at one point in time where he talked about the fact that there wasn't depth in the women's divisions, it sounded terrible, but he wasn't necessarily 100% accurate because there weren't jobs for people. Like, you couldn't make a living training. So Sure, but tell me about men at 125 right now. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I try to say. Yeah. Like, don't forget where the time cycle is. Yeah. Right now. The women's game is getting incredibly like mm-hmm. oh man, even my commentary role at CFSC the other day. Mm-hmm. We, oh yeah, we that's cool by the oh, way. Good for you, man. That's you. so cool. I love CFSC. We actually did a uh, we did a grappling event, our first ever grappling event. Danielle Kelly, this young uh, like incredible black belt, she is sick. She is yeah. so incredible. And so now we're starting to see you know this this generation that again that had the idea of like hold on, I saw Ronda Rousey, like I saw this level, mm-hmm. and again the pioneers. Yeah, but. But, but but that wasn't when it was in the mainstream. Right? People yeah. Thought and said I can do. That. I don't mind being a stepping stone. That's the thing is, you look back on things, you're just like, oh yeah, fuck. Or, okay, great. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad there were people better than me, more developed me, like in social media and all of these other things. You, and that's actually kind of a bigger picture thing. There are struggles. There's always going to be struggles. Everything about combat, everything about life ebbs and flows, right? So we can talk about the struggles that Invictus facing, and honestly, I'm not in the inner circle. I'm not. I, I I'm a commentator. I'm brought in I for guess events. My ultimate but question about still that Julie is fucking Getty. I am Julie it's fucking Getty. <laughs> <laughs> Cold coffee time here for the peanut gallery at just the right time. I guess that's my question: is do, are, do you feel it's more challenging, or do you feel like, hey, we're just scratching the surface? Because uh, because again, like you said. In the beginning, I mean, if you think about it, like, think about the roster that Invicta had before the Ultimate Fighter came and stole, like, a whole bunch of them. I mean, 
there was the best of best. That right. was the premier women's promotion, no doubt about it. And it's still the premier all-women's promotion. But I'm saying, is it is it more challenging now, or do you get the feeling that, like, there's so many women's athletes right now that, like, it's not going to be an issue? I think it's both, and I know that's a really shitty cop-out answer, but I'll tell yeah. you this. As a I fighter, yeah. like I said, there's an ebb and a flow. As a fighter... You get into a, a space where everybody's a better grappler than you have to improve your grappling. You get into a space where people are better, you know, or maybe you just aren't firing off something. You need to change something in your game. Invicta has made a huge change. And again, I'm not in the inner circle anymore. I don't. I can't tell right. you matchmaking things or anything like. Well, I never told anybody that anyway. I didn't right. give interviews on. But I, well, they you, didn't get you off your medicine and give you. I know you guys are <laughs> killing me here. We could be. I know, right? Vegas. This is awesome. I have no pressure right now. <laughs> I can just say Julie things. It is the whole, like, you have this macro level and this micro level. Like, the whole strategy of Invicta, I can't tell you, except that the entire strategy is to elevate women and make them better in the sport and to make the sport better for women. And we're doing that, and we're going to continue doing that. On a micro level, it might be this division. It might be that division. You might see stars developing. You might see stars peaking. It's still going to be there. It's fair. Yeah, and so it's... It's a platform for women, and there are other platforms for women. There should be. You only get better when you have good competition, right? And I say that as an anti-capitalist. Let me ask you a question. Being an anti-capitalist, <laughs> and we won't even go there, I'll, I'll steer it another direction. Okay. Just as we start I to told you I'd make it social. Let me ask you a question. And, and this one, uh, because I know uh, how power, you know, strength you are about feminism mm -hmm. and, and all this. I want to ask you a question. And, and tell me if this is right or wrong. I believe, and maybe it's uh, wrong for me to believe, I believe that there is no sport in the world where the men and women are competing on as equal of a platform, as equal of a level, like actually doing the same game as MMA. Have I, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong because I'm not going to pretend like I'm a, an expert in every other sport, There's a right? very good book I can recommend to you that came out, yeah? <laughs> which I'm completely blanking on at the moment, but I actually helped introduce it. But it's about... It's about wages and combat sports. It's about promotion and combat sports, and I will send that to you. Fuck okay, me. I'm not going to pretend I, on I'm the wages aspect. That okay, I definitely yeah. don't know. But here's the thing. <laughs> there is a really strong sense of equality and promotion. Right. But it's not equal. There's a right. sense of equality, which is great. Okay. It's not completely equal. That's not to say I'm complaining where we're at, but, again, I'm going to push till it's perfect. It's never perfect, so I'm always going to keep pushing. But as far as the sport itself, this is what I want to know. Now, not equality. I agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking about equality. We in the wrong country. We talking about equality. Fuck Thank you. Thank you for that one. World to be a I know. No, yeah. no. I, 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 maybe I should have phrased that right. Not equality. What I mean is uh, that the sport itself. Like when I look at a basketball game. And again, I don't now. Now I'm gonna no. disrespecting like women basketball. Yeah, I know. Like, WNBA is pretty fucking. It's good. But what I'm saying yeah. is, I feel like it's a little bit different sport, right? Like I feel like the the strategies and the approach is a little bit different. Like in a men's game, I'm trying to feed the ball down the middle and dunk it. You right. know what I mean? In the women's game, I'm probably trying to get a little bit more ball movement. I'm trying to shoot from the outside, that sort of thing. Which is its own sense of incredible tactics and skill level. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't want to minimize the difference. What right. I mean in terms of equality of just the sport being the same, like, I mean, I'm watching, you know, women with knockout power. I'm watching women with submission abilities. Right. It's like, is that? Is that it's I mean, a visibility issue, I think. Now, I'm not going to say... 135-pound women can beat men and 135-pound, no, 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 you know, no, I'm I'm, I, they can. In certain, I, anybody can beat anybody and given the right circumstances. You know, I could beat Cain Velasquez, too, if I had a bat sure. oh, and yeah. he was tied up. Totally. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, I couldn't beat him in a fight, but I could beat him he with a bat. Like, if, yeah, yeah, right. No, and I would not do that because he seems to be a very nice person and I don't want to kill anybody with a bat. But I, I think it's about visibility. It's about exposure. It's about the way you market things. 
And and for all my complaints about the UFC, they've done a really good job with women. Not a great job. We need things like Invicta. Yeah. But it's not a great job. But they have put many things on the map. And putting things on the map is a really cliched expression. Well, that's, well, that's yeah. what you do, Julie. You put things on it. As a pioneer, Shut that's up. What you Don't do. call me a pioneer. And but pioneers, pioneers are, have pioneers dysentery. Cool. My, one of my very first. <laughs> One of my very first uh, arcade games I loved as a, as a young kid it was the Oregon Trail. I love that shit. But, hey, while we have you on, um, I want to bring on Nancy oh, sure, as well. Because, yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why you're out here. And I think it's important, you know, as like what you said, like talking about what Invicta does for women's sports, I think what's unique about what you and Nancy are doing is a whole other a a aspect as well. So, John, I'm going to give up my headset. I'm going to put oh, Nancy on. What a giver. And then, yeah, I, I'm a giving person. <laughs> and uh, it's just because she's a Buckeye. That's literally. The well, only I was gonna say I, I'm I'm a complete <laughs> homer for the Buckeyes as well. Once she said she was from Columbus, I was like, oh, what I owe? I was like, what do you need? Let's do this. So I'm gonna step off. Um, um, but Julie, there's nothing wrong with saying that you are a pioneer. Pioneer is a sexy term. Uh, I I appreciate you saying that, but I associate pioneers again with dysentery and you know, <laughs> killing indigenous cultures. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, Ken. O h i o. Of dysentery oh. on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> All right, Nancy. Uh, look, Julie brought it up. I'll be honest with you. I was a little. I don't want to say surprised because I'd heard about this kind of movement that was happening of, of, of developing educational programming based around combat sports. Please yeah. tell the world what you do. Tell me what you do because we talked about it a little bit before we got started here, but yeah. that is actually pretty incredible because um, sometimes I like to uh, think that I don't have a real job and uh, apparently, at least according to your profession, mm -hmm. I do have a real job, so I, I'll take that uh, compliment, but talk to me about exactly because this is... I mean, this is next level stuff. We talk I about know. the development and the future of the sport. Let's <laughs> just say, tell the people what you do. Oh, by the way, John, you are so culturally relevant. You're huge in terms of combat sports and history and society. Um, well, by the way, I okay. brought you on. Thank you. All right, Thank that's you. enough. Appreciate you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you. That was. Far too All kind right. of you, far too kind of you, but thank you for that. I love this atmosphere here, by the way. Um, I have not taught a class after having a couple drinks, so can you, I may not be Professor Nancy Kidder, <laughs> maybe Nancy, a little looser. Nancy, just so you know, exactly there were times when I had drinks before I interviewed with, or I worked with your class. Oh, my God, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> not my classes, because, you know, I didn't want to get fired, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, um, I'm so glad, you know, writing and fighting is a course I've done since 2017. Um, and, and Julie, she's now helping me with my class. She's done a class at Iowa um, about this. And this is the thing. Combat sports is part of culture. Um, and fight writing, we cannot downgrade it. Like, as much as um, we see fighting, it gets into that... Um, at, like people put it into the cockfighting, the sure. it's 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 oh, yeah, uncivil. The the the, the, that happens. It has actually been happening. Um, my first literature um, thing that I assign my students is the Iliad, which has a fight. It actually has a fight. Not only that, it has a trash talking event where the person comes out saying, "I'm going to best you. You are not." I am I mean, going to make it. ancient literature right here. I mean, this is not, I mean, yeah. 
Iliad, I will send you guys. Um, it's Perseus. It's the funeral you know what, scene. You know what's awesome is I, I, I appreciate so much the fact that you respect me enough that you thought I knew exactly what well. that was. And I do. I'm just you joking. do. Just oh, come on. <laughs> Athena, goddess of war. <laughs> Athena exactly. Achilles, right? Goddess of yeah, war. Come on. Women were always fucking involved in the no, this, oh. this is where I do this. This is if where I, I go. This is where I go. I mean, obviously, don't I play dumb. We know you. The broader audience who may not be aware. So no, I might get nerdy. That's why, like, tell me when I get too esoteric and into it because I can talk about. You're talking about women fighters. Um, Julie took her headset off. Uh, <laughs> sorry. This is the thing. Women have been fighting. It's you know, um, we were talking to a young uh, Julia Salada, who is a um, she came on writing and fighting, which we're just this little thing um, about a forum about kind of bridging the gap of academia and fighting and just understanding its importance right. in society and to, to understand that we need to reflect on this stuff. But you know what's so cool, and obviously Julie will have the same experience. But like, I can't tell you like, and every now and then I kind of forget that it wasn't that long ago where, like, I would get on a plane to go somewhere. And you know how it is. You sit up, well, not anymore, but right now, how it used to be and how it will be yeah. again, how the person next to you starts talking to you about, so what are you doing? You're like, well, I'm here to cover this cage fight. I'm going to do this. And they're just like, what the hell are you talking about? You know? And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you know, this person is looking at you like, cage fighting? Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. To, I don't know. To me, it's exciting to hear that people are looking at it from a different level. Now, it, it, it always scares me because I'm sure, as Julie will share also, it's not the largest industry in the world. And so there's so many people that are passionate about it and want to do great things in this industry. And I never want to tell them don't chase it because you should chase your dreams and you can yeah. carve out your niche and you can find your spot. But don't believe. But keep your day job. That's it. Don't don't believe that this is just some like, oh, oh man, there's just money to be made, man. Let's just go. It's the next crypto. Like, let's just go. Yeah. You know what What's I mean? What's a like, crypto anyway? What is that? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> see? You know what? Ten years from now, we're going to be like, I'm so a crypto old. pioneer. <laughs> yeah. I'm a crypto in the crypt. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, but, right. but, I mean, but it's so to me, it's exciting <laughs> to hear. So I, what, what I want to ask you is like, like why? Uh, what was the genesis of you wanting to uh, be a part of a program like this? Because uh, I don't know, man. This this stuff didn't even exist that long ago, and now you're trying to. Uh, I don't know, man. This is next level stuff to me. So like, what got yeah. you passionate about this? And and I don't know, tell me like, how is it received? Do people look at you as like, the hell are you doing over there? Oh no, <laughs> when I first put out my syllabus, it, we're getting. Um, by the way, we're getting some. We're eyes. being told to stop recording right now I in know. here. I thought well, I this man was a fan, but it turns out he doesn't want my autograph. He said we have I to know. stop recording, I'm so I'm ruining your show. No, you're not. I know. All I right, can not, we, John, can we continue this maybe outside? <laughs> Look at you. Oh, you're sitting firm. <laughs> oh, shit. Can we do I'm, this somewhere I'm, else? All right. uh, I have uh, to anyway, burp, so I'm getting um, I will tell you the whole story. And um, by the way, can I can I end this right now yes. uh, with you? Yes. Just to tell you that how important yeah, this event really is in terms of society and culture. Fight nights are so important in terms of the history of the world. And you're right. Two people being active. And we're like clearing up here. Um, but the fact also that this is an MMA fight that is opening up UFC, you know, we lost the Wilder, you know, fight, the furry, sorry about that one. But, you know, it is huge and it, it means so much 
we like watching two people use their bodies to best one another, it'll always be in culture. It'll always be. And I, I would I can pontificate yep. more. John, I don't No, you I, know what we're about to we know you know what we're about to pontificate on right now? We're, <laughs> hey, I'm about to fight this. Why are we getting kicked out? What the hell's happening over here? I'm about to, I'm about to fight we're somebody. We are in a property that um, near MGM. I'm just gonna say that. Oh, oh no! Oh, I, oh, sorry. Oh, I love MGM. I love MGM. I Fantastic love MGM. people. I love MGM. Uh, but we have to stop. All right, let's move. What the fuck just happened? I don't even know what the fuck just happened. We got we got kicked out, and and uh, I'm not. Hey, but you know what? I won't get upset. I love the fine people of Beer House. I love the fine people of the MGM properties. They've been great to us over the years. Uh, I guess as the world reopens, uh, I just have to remember that we have to get permission to hang out some places. That hasn't been the case for a long time, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Hey, I'll give you a couple little uh, little nuggets that were kind of fun. Uh, thank you to everybody that joined us. Uh, I apologize, and uh, thank you uh, for everybody doing it, and I'm glad you guys didn't get arrested. Uh, I'll tell you one little funny nugget from the press conference today. Uh, I almost got bumped to question number two. I was told for a moment by USC PR staff that Chad Ochocinco was going to be question number one and that I was going to be question number two. And I actually started to try to give out a little bit of a a little bit of a in, uh, an invite for everybody to just wager to make money off their friends and say that hey, vote for me question number two. I'm glad I didn't. Thankfully, cooler heads prevailed and I got question number one. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I was. They're like, do you mind stepping aside for Chad Ochocinco? And I'm like, no, that's fine. I'll step aside for Chad Ochocinco. It is what it is. Uh, I did tweet out earlier today that Cody Garbrandt is moving down to 125 pounds. I'm told that's definitely – I know we tease that a lot. I'm told that that's definitely, definitely happening. Uh, he will move down to 125 pounds. Probably not going to fight for the title. Um, it looks like he'll probably fight one more time first. Kai Car France is a name that's being thrown out there. I, I haven't heard that's necessarily locked up, but I've heard it's a possibility. Uh, but hopefully it'll be a fight before the end of the year, and uh, but not a title fight right off the bat. Crazy story. How about CM Punk? He's not 0-2. He's 0-1. Huh? How about that? Uh, kind of a crazy situation. My man Nolan King was the one to find that out, that uh, Mike Jackson was actually popped for marijuana, if he could be popped for anything. How ridiculous is that? It was vacated to a uh, no contest. Um, look. Silly, weird. I, I talked to Punk a little bit behind the scenes. He doesn't care. I mean, obviously, uh, oh, 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 weed suspension is ridiculous. Who cares? Uh, no big deal there. But it was an interesting story. So hopefully I'll get to talk to him next time we get a chance. I'll be with him uh, in August. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. I will say uh, the more I hear about this Francis Nagano situation, I still don't love the Derek Lewis Sirogan situation. Like I said, I don't hate the fight, but I don't love the I don't love the inner title situation. But the more I hear about it, it sounds like you know at least from the USC perspective, they felt like Nagano had agreed to fight in Houston, and then he didn't end up fighting in Houston. So you know from their perspective, look, I think that's why Dan is a little bit so cavalier. And again, I wish he would say these things. He never says these things. He just says you know f you. I'm gonna do what I keep doing. But uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a unique situation. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. It's been a crazy night. It's a big pay-per-view, USC 264. And then uh, 
We'll see what happens in this trilogy fight. Just to me, as far as I'm concerned, getting kicked out, that's the way it should be, damn it. I told you, the roadshow is back. Vegas is back. We got kicked out. What more can you ask for a roadshow? Thanks for listening.